0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're glad you could join us again today. We're coming to you from the 2013 Ringler Annual Meeting in uh, beautiful downtown Newport Beach, California, and uh, we're looking at the uh, forecast for Boston snow. This is a pretty great place to be, Tony. I don't, I don't know about you. Well, I believe uh, that today on Ringler Radio, we're going to have a terrific show. We're going to give you an update on long-term disability and try to simplify for you this rather complex area of insurance law. And joining and helping me in this process today from Seattle, Washington, is my Ringler colleague, Tony Robinson. Tony's a member of the Ringler Associates Board of Directors and has more than 22 years of experience in insurance, claims, and structured settlements. And uh, he's a big Oregon Duck fan too. I know that, right, Tony? That's right. Go Ducks! Well, welcome to Ringler Radio. I you know you got a new coach too. We do. Good luck. Thank you. That's always important. He'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us today is Attorney Deborah Nelson, partner at Nelson Boyd, also in Seattle, Washington. Deborah has been a lawyer for over twenty years. Has been selected a Super Lawyer each of the last ten years. Is a past president of the Washington State Association for Justice. And is the chair-elect of the Insurance Law Section of the American Association for Justice. Boy, you don't have any, you don't have anything to do, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show.
2: I like to keep busy.
1: You are boy, you are very busy, and uh, all in terrific jobs as well. Well, Deborah, it's great to have you here. Uh, let's give our listeners a refresher course on long-term disability insurance. How is LTD uh, coverage different from the other types of insurance policies?
2: Good question. It's just a completely different animal, and I think that that's the thing that trips up a lot of people um, in a number of ways. For people who have long-term disability insurance policies, who maybe have filed a homeowner's claim or an auto claim before, uh, they may look at it and say, "Oh, this is okay. It's it's fine. I understand how to do insurance claims, and it's not a problem." And their employers are telling them to go ahead and apply on their own. They give them the forms, and they sit down and fill them out and send them in and think that everything's going to be fine. Uh, for attorneys who either don't do any insurance law or some who do other types of insurance law, more the run of the mill sort of things, especially auto cases, they may look at it and and not understand that there are some pitfalls along the way. But each and every step that a claimant takes along the way is very, very important. Mm-hmm. These claims are often denied, and it's important to start them out correctly with an attorney who understands the process mm-hmm. and who understands the pitfalls.
3: You know, obviously, it's a, a complex and, I think, greatly misunderstood area of, of law and, you know, for both lawyers and, and the, kind of the public in general. What are some of the things that people need to consider when uh, looking at you know, LTD insurance and they're going to buy it? Should they just do the group policy that their employer provides, or should they go out and, and shop for uh, policies on their own?
2: Well, I think they should buy their own policies. It's very interesting and it makes very little sense, but the type of policy you get, actually the, where you get your policy and who you work for determines what kind of law applies. That doesn't make any sense, but it is the way it is. And so if you work for any sort of a governmental agency, whether it's state, local, federal, or if you work for a church, then state law will apply. If you get your policy from your employer and you don't work at one of those places, or sometimes we find that firefighters or police officers get their policies through their union instead of through the local governmental authority that they work for, if that's the case, then federal law applies. If you buy your own policy, your own private policy from your own agent, then state law applies. The big difference with that is that federal law, uh, and the acronym for that is ERISA, E-R-I-S-A, all caps. The federal law is terrible. It provides very, very little resource or recourse, I should say, for insured consumers, very little hammer for the lawyers, and little to no incentive to behave correctly for the insurers. On the other hand, the state law claims are much better, um, especially in Washington state here, because we have excellent insurance laws. But I know that some of the other states have, have good insurance laws as well. And in that case, The insurers are more likely to behave correctly and to honor their duties to their insureds. They're more likely to take the claims seriously and approve them, and if they don't approve them and it's necessary to file a lawsuit, we can sometimes get what's called bad faith damages, which means you can get not just what you're entitled to from the policy, but also some extra money uh, to cover your the hassle and delay of having to go through the entire process. So it really matters where you get your policy. So if you have someone who is a high earner or a young person or a professional, I really recommend that they go out and buy their own policy because although it may be expensive in the beginning, it can just make a world of difference later when you need it.
1: Well, that's no question about that. That's good advice. And it seems, Deb, that LTD is the type of thing that most of us just don't want to even think about. And uh, therefore, uh, many people are unprepared when the unthinkable accident or illness happens. How do we get people to really consider the ramifications of having, you know, being disabled and and having or not having the insurance? What what do you see as the uh, impetus to have people going out there and protecting their future?
2: Well, you know, the problem always is, and and I expect that Tony sees this in in the work that he does too, is that we go on and we live our lives and we assume that things will be just fine, and then tragedy strikes, mm-hmm. and that's only the that that's the first point when you become aware that gosh, I could have done something a little bit differently, or maybe I needed to protect myself more, or maybe I need to think about this a little bit differently, and sadly, at that point, it's just too late. So that's why we try to educate people as much as we can and we do that on our website and we do that on our Facebook page and we go out and speak to the public a lot about buying the right kind of insurance, buying enough insurance, and certainly being careful about long-term disability insurance. Um, it, it's really complex. It's really confusing. And people just don't want to think about it. But you have to think about it before it's too late. So I think it's just like doing financial planning. It's just like having a will written um, after people have children. A lot of times they do those things. This is another thing that people really need to think, think about for ensuring their family's future.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really sort of uh, personal risk management. You know, there's, there's a, there's a a very real problem out there if you don't take care of. It. If you don't buy auto insurance and you have an accident, you know you're you're uh, you're going to go bankrupt. If you get disabled and you don't have disability insurance, you may find yourself without income for an extended period of time. So, assuming somebody's gone out and you know done their homework and and have a policy either you know through their group plan or or on their own or or both, um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about. Uh, if something does happen, what is the process they have to go through to apply for benefits and, and get their claim started? Is, and Are there things we need to worry about in that context that you wouldn't really think about being, a,
2: being problematic for them? Sure. Uh, The process is not what you would think. It's a different type of a process, which makes it a, a trap for attorneys who don't do this kind of law either, because it's very different than the other types of insurance we handle. But the first step is the applications process. And the employee usually gets their forms directly from their employer, the HR department will give them the forms, and the employer has to fill one out, the attending physician has to fill one out, and then the person who's disabled, the disabled worker, has to fill one out. And they're all submitted to the insurance company. Then the insurance company has a few months to decide whether they're going to approve the claim or deny the claim. If they deny the claim, then there's usually about a six-month period, 180 days, that the claimant has to submit an appeal then the insurance company has another couple of months again to look at it and to decide what to do. If they deny the appeal, then a lawsuit is filed, and that usually can take a couple of years. The problem, though, is that the danger period for the claimant in terms of doing everything correctly, not raising any red flags, not... not um, stepping into something that's going to be problematic for them starts immediately. Most people think, well, I'll just go ahead and fill this out, I'll see what happens, and then if I'm denied, then I'll get a lawyer. And in the old days, it was okay to do that, but I've seen more and more legitimate claims be denied on the appeal end of it at the very, very beginning, and then people will come to me and ask me to help them with the appeal. And because of what they or their physicians have put in the application, It's really difficult to help them at all, and I have to turn down a lot of people who I believe are disabled but who I can't prove are disabled. And the reason is because the insurance company is gathering evidence against you on your case from the very very beginning. So if people put things down in their disability application that may be red flags, they have no idea. They may be putting things in that they shouldn't be putting in. They may be wording it in a way that they shouldn't word it. Give us an example. Give us
1: an example of some sure? things that would be red flags on an application that uh,
2: people should be aware of. Okay, easy, easy example here, and it's the biggest one and the one I see most often. A lot of people who are disabled have some sort of progressive problem, um, a lot of back injuries things like that that have just been getting worse and worse. And as people cope to work with their disability, because none of these people want to be disabled, they would like to continue to work, they find all sorts of different coping mechanisms. And one thing that happens when you're in pain, when you're injured, when you're fearful of not being able to continue working is you have a lot of stress and anxiety. So some people go out and get medicated for that or go for counseling for that. That's not a bad thing to do, it's a good thing to do, but people often will put down that their disability in that case is number one, back injury, number two, pain, number three, stress and anxiety. Well, the stress and the anxiety is really a component of the overall back issue. But when the insurance company sees that, they focus on the stress and anxiety because the vast majority of insurance policies contain a 24-month limitation, which means if you're disabled and any of your disabling conditions is a mental health issue, then they only have to pay you for 24 months. Mm. So when people come to me... Yeah, you can see where this works. So when people come to me after they've been denied and the insurance company denies them because of the back issue and says, yeah, we don't think you're that bad off, but they also say you were applying for this reason, they come to me, the best I can do is to try to get them benefits for 24 months. Whereas if they come to me initially... I'd talk to them, I'd look at their medical records, I'd talk to their physician, and try to determine, really, is that, the, is that the stress, is the stress the real factor that's disabling them, or is it a byproduct of the back injury?
3: Well, it's right. interesting. I, I, honestly, I, think, I can't think of very many uh, people that we've worked with, Larry, in our regular jobs, whether it's a, this kind of claim or, or the more traditional uh, physical injury stuff, where those you know stress, anxiety, depression things they they, they kind of come hand in hand. I mean that's present in almost every case, and that's that's not what's disabling them, but it's there because it just sucks. Yeah, it's not, not disabling
1: them, but it's disqualifying them for yeah, long term coverage. No. So those are good red flags to think about. And you know, I think when we come back from break, I want to ask you about uh, when these claims are denied. Where, how do you get started? What what, what process do you take uh, from there to to help these people get their just uh, their, what what they should be getting uh, from their policy language? We'll be right back. Right here on Ringler Radio, after a quick break.
0: This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Wrangler Associate. Check out our new website at www.wranglerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Wrangler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit wranglerassociates.com to learn more.
1: Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, joined by my colleague and co-host, Tony Robinson, and attorney Deborah Nelson, partner at Nelson Boyd both from Seattle, Washington. Uh, Deb, when these cases are denied, what happens then? We, this is where you step in and really try to give these uh, consumers and people who think they've got some good coverage uh, some help. How do, you, how do you help those folks?
2: Well, what happens is people get a denial letter from their insurer and it will say the reasons why they applied, it'll say the information and evidence that the insurer looked at, and then it will say why they're denied, and it will tell them that they have 180 days to appeal the denial. A lot of people think that they can just simply write a letter to the insurer or maybe get their doctor to write a letter and that that would be sufficient. That's what happens a lot on health insurance claims, I believe, but this is a different thing entirely. What happens then is I think you need to get to an attorney as soon as possible because the clock is ticking and it takes a good five to six months to put together an appropriate appeal package. Then what I do is I get a complete copy of the file from the insurance company to make sure that I understand what they had, what they looked at. And I often have to request it a few times. Then I get the medical records and I go out and I actually meet with the doctors uh, and talk to them and find out what the problems are and what the disability is and what the limitations are for their client. That are patient, I also will sometimes meet with expert witnesses and other people who can do evaluations or exams and come up with objective evidence to help support the, to support the disability excuse me uh, so i 'll do all of that, and it takes a long time to put everything together. The important thing is that when we ship off the package, we want to have the most comprehensive authoritative picture of why this person is disabled that we possibly can because we want the insurance company to have a lot of information that's the problem with people doing their own appeals is they don't know what needs to happen they don't need know what needs to be done and it's very, very difficult to no convince an insurance company unless you have a lot of information there. So that's what we do.
3: Obviously, sometimes a disability is due to an auto accident, and they might go to an attorney who's, who's uh, more focused in that and isn't really uh, experienced with uh, working with problems involving with the disability policies. And, and I think that probably uh, when that lawyer who doesn't have that uh, experience tries to help them with the disability policy, it creates some malpractice issues. So why don't you talk a little bit about sort of malpractice traps that, that uh, lawyers uh, and the consumers kind of are facing when they're dealing... Uh with it and they're not experienced with the disability insurance issues.
2: Well, that's that's a good point because sadly there are people who come to me, either they've done their own appeal or their application and have done a poor job of it and I can't help them <laughs> or they went to an attorney who didn't specialize in this area and the attorney made a mistake and at that point I'm no longer able to look at helping the individual with regard to their long-term disability benefits But because I do legal malpractice, I look at whether there's a lawsuit against their attorney because the attorney did a bad job. So that's something that people need to be careful about. And I think it's always important not to dabble in areas that you're not familiar with. But the things that are problematic are the two-step process, the application and then the appeal before you file a lawsuit. You can't simply just file a lawsuit without doing an appeal. The deadlines are also very important. The Mm -hmm. 100... 180 days runs very, very quickly, and some attorneys will look at it and think that the regular statute of limitations applies, especially if it was a disabling injury as opposed to a disabling illness, and they'll look back to the date of the injury and think they have three years. Yeah, exactly. That's that's not the case. And then um, some attorneys don't understand how important it is to put in all of the objective information, all of the evidence with the appeal package and to get a complete copy of the record from the insurance company. So all of those things are really, really big and really important, and those are the areas where Uh, I think a lot of attorneys um, perhaps miss something. And then also the aspect of whether federal or state law applies because it makes it very different in terms of how you litigate it and what your remedies are.
1: Right. Deborah, you know, for our audience out there, it's always good to have a good concrete example. Do you have an example of someone you helped that had a disability claim that uh, you could kind of relate to our audience to bring all this home to them?
2: Oh, I I have several clients that I have helped who... Um, I really enjoyed working for them and it was it turned out well for them in a legal sense as well. And I, I will say this if if I may, I've spent most of my career being self employed. Mm-hmm. And so I do this work because it's what I fear. Mm-hmm. And so when people come to me I always put myself in their shoes because it's what I fear. And I had a very nice gentleman Who hired me and he was disabled and it was very clear that he wanted to work and that he just could not his body was not allowing him to Mm -hmm. and so I worked with his his doctors and met with them personally I worked with him I worked with his wife and I got all of the information and we took about five months to put everything together it was a state law claim and we were really gratified to get a result very quickly and to find out that he was approved. So that was a wonderful experience terrific, and terrific. then I had I had another client who hired me and this is what I'm recommending more and more. She hired hired me for the application process. She was nervous that she would not be approved and so she contacted me and she had a bit of a a different sort of a disabling condition that was really unusual and I was concerned for her that they may not approve it. So we worked very carefully but I worked behind the scenes. I the insurance company didn't know I was involved, so it didn't raise any red flags to them, but I prepared the entire application, I got her medical records, I worked with her doctors, I worked with her, I put everything together and then sent it in and she got approved. And in that circumstance when they hire me on the application process, the fees are different and they just pay me hourly because my hope is I'm successful on that and then they don't need to pay a contingency. Wow.
0: There you go.
3: You know, and they
2: just go
3: on, yeah. It, it seems, you know, and it's probably somewhat counterintuitive to people. As you hire a lawyer, that implies that there's going to be some, you know, litigation perhaps. But, in fact, if you if you consult the right person early enough, you actually can speed up the process to, to get them approved. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're saving them both time and money uh, by right. having, you know, kind of early engagement. So, uh, you know, I want to ask you a question a little bit, at, you know, and just to remind people out there that, you know, there's a difference in the, the taxation of the benefits you get if you get the group policy that was paid for, by your employer, you're going to pay taxes on your disability policy benefits. If you bought the policy on your own with your own money, uh, the benefits are are uh, tax free. And and of course, it, uh, structured settlements, uh, you know, help out and maybe helping resolve that case either way in terms of keeping their benefits and keeping that tax status, uh, you know, where where it should be. But maybe you could tell us a l- your thoughts on you know, how structured settlements uh, fit in with these people and and why it might be a good idea for them to look at it when they're resolving these cases uh, with with these uh, insurers.
2: Well, sure. People call me and they often ask about how their benefits will be paid. And by the time they get their benefits, they get the monthly checks going forward, but then they get a lump sum from the past money that was due to them before. And I would suspect that we could structure that money. Uh, But what they also want to know is, well, I just want them to pay me out. I just want to get a lump sum, and I just want them to pay me out for the future. And you have no control over that. You can't force an insurance company to do that. And usually they won't, except when you file a lawsuit. And when you file a lawsuit, at some point during the litigation process, the insurer often contacts me and says, hey, we want to settle this case and we want to pay a lump sum. At that point then, I call Tony and we talk about it and we find a way to structure it because then it's doing exactly what it should be doing and it's the best of all possible worlds really. You have the money in hand because you've gotten it from the insurance company and you don't have to worry about them cutting off your benefits in the future, but you have the ability to structure it so that you're getting monthly payments just like you would have with your salary, but investing it allows you to earn more money so your monthly payments eventually will be a bit higher than they would have been had you just kept getting the money on your claim without having a lump sum payment. So I think anybody who's looking at possibly getting a lump sum payment from one of these policies should really consider that. I think it's a wise thing to do.
1: Well, you know, I'm glad you feel that way. And and also as an adjunct to that, uh, because some of these people are disabled and have these uh, medical conditions, folks like Tony can get uh, get these age rating uh, annuities and get these annuities uh, at a little better price and uh, can even provide better benefits for these uh, long-term disability uh, sufferers. So with that, Deborah, I think we'll wrap it up and uh, say thank you very much for joining us today. It's very educational. I'm sure our audience is going to be uh, very interested in what you had to say. If someone wanted to contact you, how would they do that?
2: Oh, good question. Well, you can go to our website, which is www.nelsonboydlaw.com, okay. and Boyd is B-O-Y-D, mm-hmm. or they can give me a call at 206
1: Terrific. And Tony, how about yourself?
3: Uh, you can reach me at uh, RinglerAssociates.com or uh, call my office at one eight hundred three four four seven four five two. 344 7452
1: Terrific. And for all of you out there, you can reach any Ringler Associate at RinglerAssociates.com. Uh, all of the associates are on the website. It's a terrific website. It's been recently redesigned. I encourage you all to go there. And uh, you can also download any Ringler Radio show from the website, RinglerAssociates.com, RinglerRadio.com, or LegalTalkNetwork.com. Or you can... Re- even get it in iTunes, and I encourage you to go ahead and do that. So with that, I will say to uh, you, Deborah, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you. This is a pleasure. I appreciate your ability to educate folks about this important area of the law.
1: Terrific. Tony, thank you for being a great co-host.
0: You bet. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Deborah. Appreciate it.
1: And for the rest of you out there, go have a great, great
0: day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio with over a million listeners. Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.